Hello, everybody, and welcome to the You Thought Sports Podcast. We're back here again. I'm with my co-hosts, uh, Lucas, Wyatt, Jared, and Bart, per usual. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna dive right in today. We're gonna be talking some college football and NFL. Uh, we're gonna start with the college football. Uh, and this week, the Big Ten came back finally. We've we've all been waiting uh, two months for that. And uh, after their first game back, Ohio State leapfrogged ND in the rankings, going up to three, uh, with ND sliding to number four. Wyatt, is that fair? Has OSU done enough so far to prove they're better than ND? Unequivocally and emphatically, (laughs) yes. Ohio State absolutely deserves to be ranked in the top four, especially at number three. How many weeks do we really need to prove (laughs) <laughs> that Ohio State was one of the best top four college football <laughs> programs in the country. You it can was, tell it was honest, week. It was only a matter of time before they found their way into the top four, so let's not waste any time at all and just throw them in there. And, in fact, this would be a non-story if the Big Ten hadn't decided to cancel the season earlier because then the Buckeyes would have started and stayed above Notre Dame in the rankings this entire year. It wouldn't have had to be any, any sort of late-game decision or anything like that after Notre Dame has played, what, three or four weeks? If you need any convincing, we can just go through the roster. We have a Heisman level cornerback. Uh, and he's better than Ian Quarterback. And he's better than Ian Hook. We have a championship level coach who we already agreed is better than Brian Kelly. We play in the Big Ten, which is the sef- second toughest conference in college football behind the SEC. And our win over Nebraska looks better than any win Notre Dame has had so far this season, especially you your very own week one win over Duke. And just to acknowledge that Notre Dame is still ranked number four, so they're not out of the football ranking so far, or the college football playoffs. And they should remain as a top-ranked team until they get smacked by uh, Clemson next weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Why? Uh, I'm I'm gonna disagree though. Overall, I oh, think okay. it's kind of kind of stupid, kind of unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State has done nothing to prove they're higher than Notre Dame so far this year, other than having just been better last year and having like a better reputation. They beat a bad yeah. team who lost a few players to targeting, and they yeah. only or and they beat them by 35 points. Notre Dame this weekend beat a below average team. By 42 points. So if you're just comparing like this week to this week, there's no reason they should be ranked higher based on play alone. They shouldn't have leapfrogged them. If the only thing you're ranking Ohio State on is their performance this weekend, there's no reason they should be ranked higher than Notre Dame. Absolutely not. As much as I was laughing during Wyatt's takes, I actually agree with him. If, oh. the, if the season started at the same time, like they would have already just yes. been, you know, with prestige and all that, they would have been in front of us. And you can, I mean, Notre Dame hasn't played a ranked team yet. We don't, we don't have much of a case to be ahead of the Buckeyes necessarily either. All we've done is really is just take care of our business. Um, I don't, and I also just don't really like when rankings like fluctuate week to week because one like one team looks shaky. They only won by ten points and all that. I think Ohio State would have just been in, would have been in front of us if the season were like regularly started for everybody. So I, I actually don't really, as much as I hate to see it, I, I get why they did it. I think it's. Fair. I don't. Yeah. Your reasoning though is that it's on prestige though, you know, and like why should prestige <clears throat> inherently matter if you're looking at the 2019-20 or the twenty twenty football season so far? Who's played better? Well, the, the rankings just don't but even really reflect that, though, you know. They just reflect, like, they but, start off yeah. with, like, who was good in the preseason. If you haven't lost yet, you don't get jumped. That's kind of how it works, you know. It's also about returners, too. I mean, because to have a Heisman finalist quarterback and Justin Fields return, the same way that Clemson has Trevor Lawrence return, like, tre- Clemson is not going to be ranked the number one, two team in school um, in the, the college football playoffs if Trevor Lawrence isn't coming back. I mean, we can we admit that Justin Fields is better than Ian Book, and the, yeah, the quarterback no. and the coach are oh, huge wow, factors. Yeah. <laughs> the quarterback and the coach are huge factors. Why, in stop any with the coach thing, teams. please. Ryan Day is a good coach. <laughs> he don't, he don't, brought, don't be he saying brought a number four ranked team to a number three team. Plus, we've only allowed seventeen <laughs> points all year. A heroic why, effort for why, Ryan we, Day. You we allowed only, seventeen uh, points all year. We we average better than that, and we've played f- more games than you. We've How many points have you allowed the entire year total? How many points have you scored all year, Wyatt? Should we compare those numbers? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, no, but here's, but, yeah. I don't know. I I agree with Lucas, frankly, uh, because thank you. Why, 
if we're basing it off of off of the um, like the name brand recognition alone, then why was an Ohio State just above Notre Dame the whole time? One game doesn't shouldn't have made a difference. Wisconsin also beat the pulp out of whoever they played. Illinois, I think. Sh- should they be ranked above Notre Dame now too? Because they had one good week and they're in the Big Ten. No, I think it's I think it's no. more so due to the fact that they're the best team in their conference, or at least yeah. from what everyone's looking at. I think that's always going to give a team an advantage in the rankings over Notre Dame, who is not unquestionably the the best team in their conference at the but moment. we don't even i mean yeah. after one game yeah I mean, but, but that's, i think that's, that's the why thing, they're there though yeah yeah and that's the thing is it all it's all just going to sort itself out anyway like who cares who cares if notre dame is four right now if you beat clemson you go up well then why even one. bother having rankings if yeah. the rankings don't it's, it's a tv it's a tv it's tv stuff all right, so we can agree that the rankings are meaningless. I mean, I'm fine yes. with that. I guess. So we're not going to. Yeah. They're not meaningless. They're not. They're not like completely meaningless, but they don't matter until like the last three weeks. Y'all, I really look forward to next week's game between unranked Notre Dame and unranked Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But that actually just doesn't yeah. have as much yeah. allure to it. If you're like, yeah. oh shoot, yeah, the number one and number four teams are playing. It's like, okay, now it's telling you you should pay attention to this and game. Just as much going into next week. Um, Notre, or Ohio State has a chance to lose to Penn State, who I think is still a very good football team. And Notre Dame has a chance to lose to Clemson. These, t- these rankings are there to lose for Ohio State. So, I mean, Ohio State could either earn or lose their number three spot going into ne- after the end of next week. So, I mean, what's the big hubbub? I mean, if I like Jared said, the rankings don't actually matter until probably the last three weeks in the season. Mm-hmm. And again, how many more weeks did they, Ohio State need to have underneath their belt to prove that they're still going to be one of the best teams in the nation. Because there's no way that Ohio State was going to come out and just flop this year. Mm-hmm. We knew they were going to be good. We know that they're a good team and they're a high-ranked program. So eventually at some point between now and, then, and the end of the college football season, Ohio State was going to find its way in the top four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like if you want to do it this gimmicky way, Ohio State should have been at three the whole season. Yeah. No, it is kind of funny that they acted like they weren't going to put Ohio State at three. They also can't have Ohio State win by double digits and sit and still just sit at number five. I mean, well, the the reason they were at three though is because some people weren't voting for them, and some people were like that. That's the reason they were at six or whatever. Yeah, twenty percent of like the AP poll people didn't even rank Ohio State until they played a game, and after they played (laughs) a game, they got like. Yeah. Like in most people's ballots who were voting for them were vote ranking them above Notre Dame, but it's yeah. only because those last twenty percent filled in that they actually made. But that's stupid because exactly. in a preseason poll you would never like you know, you're not gonna unrank a team because they haven't played a game yet. So yeah. I think that's a dumb strategy. Um, yeah, but, but this anyway. it's a pandemic year. Yeah. We, they were four games a, down. They were four games year. down from some teams, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, I get it. Uh, you can get that on your uh he had to it's get a bingo in. card. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For you to, for those of you playing, you thought bingo at home. Go ahead and get put that one down. <laughs> he was twenty for twenty-one though, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. <laughs> Fields is pretty good. He's a high-ranked guy going into the next year. Certainly be a top three pick. Trevor Lawrence certainly to be the number one overall pick, and a lot of NCAA. And NFL pundits are saying that Trevor Lawrence should stay for one more year if the New York football Jets find their way into the number one overall pick. Bart, I present the question to you. Do you think Trevor Lawrence should declare for the draft and see what happens or try to avoid the Jets at all costs? Okay, I've seen this take so often, actually. I feel like I'm going to be in the minority here. I, I think he should absolutely just go into the draft regardless. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really get it. So first and foremost... The Jets are probably, maybe not probably, but very likely just going to be the first overall pick again next year. <laughs> yeah. Which would make it really funny. Yeah. That would be uh, hilarious. Oh, regardless of yeah. who takes him, the team is going to be bad. I mean, some of people seem to think that the Jets are, like, on another level bad. I'm not totally convinced. Like, suppose he went to the Jags, for instance. The Jazz are also, like, a pretty defunct organization right now. I don't know that if he waited a year, he'd be any better off. And then, like, at the end of the day, a year of the development in the NFL has to be better for him in the long run than playing another year at Clemson. I, I know, a, a, like, ACC, Clemson runs the table easily. It's not really particularly competitive. Plus, if you factor in the risk of an injury, I mean, like, he can get injured, or yeah. uh, he can get insured, sure. But if you have, like, a career-ending <laughs> injury because he chose to stay for next year just to avoid the Jets, it would just be, like, the saddest thing ever. I just don't see the logic in it, personally. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I just think it's, like, not worth 
worth the risk to like like you said with like the injury like you could you know Al- get like an Alex Smith type injury and just like be done or like I guess Alex yeah. Smith is playing again but like you know that type of injury where he's just done um plus like I feel like the whole like playing hardball with like teams doesn't really pay off all, like a lot I feel like they're only like two really successful examples of guys who are like I refuse to play for a team yeah. and then it like working out and that's Eli Manning and John Elway both of whom yeah. like got drafted um and then like refused to play for the team they were yeah. drafted for <laughs> Eli with the Chargers and then Elway with the Colts I think but like other than that like people try and play hardball often and like most times they just end up like with the team anyway yeah. so I feel like it's <laughs> it's not even worth it and for really any reason yeah I do feel like that's the more likely option here, though. I don't think there's any way that he just skips the draft. Um, yeah. He might try to dissuade the Jets from drafting him, but I don't even see Trevor Lawrence, given his personality. I don't really see him doing that, or at least based I, off what I know about him. Did you so, see his, he, he was yeah. interviewed today, apparently, though, and uh, they what asked him what he'll do next year, and he, yeah. he said, quote, who knows? Yeah. So, <laughs> of course he's going to say that. Yeah, they always say that. Yeah, I feel like he's, he, yeah. He's less certain about it seemingly than he was, but maybe that's not true. Okay, and, and here's and here's the thing from my perspective. I know everybody's on the bandwagon that the just the Jets are the worst run franchise in the league. But who's to say you go to the Jaguars, your career just languishes there or something? And I don't know, every team, every organization is gonna go through periods where they look like they're the worst yeah. run franchise in the league. They were fighting for AFC championships ten years ago. Just all it takes is one new coach. One new GM, one new quarterback. Your team, your franchise is set, yeah. and we're gonna be like, "Oh, what, what a model franchise the Jets, the New York Football Jets are." You know, like it just yeah. turns around like that so easily. Yeah, I feel like what you see more often is players not going somewhere because like it's not the market that they want or not the location or something. Less than the right. team actually being bad because all of the teams in the top five are gonna be bad. Exactly. And I think New York is at least a desirable location. So I mean, yeah. there's that, and can give them star power and endorsements and stuff like that. Uh, so I really don't see that. Yeah, I don't see this materializing. Do you think Agreed. Adam Gase making it this far into the season, it's into absurd. like week eight, which is crazy? Uh, it, it should be a big red flag in the way that the Jets are running their organization for Trevor. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I will kind of play that big of a red flag that they don't want to give up on a coach midseason. No, plenty, but, but plenty of teams have done it. Plenty of teams with better rosters have done it, like, like the Falcons and the Texans both did it, but. I will play a little devil at, devil's advocate here that there have been plenty of good prospects to go to teams that just are completely dysfunctional that it just kind of never really revive or like they can't get their career mm. going. And I think even Sam Darnold is exhibit A of this yeah. for being a guy who was a highly ranked prospect going to the jets, living in that terrible franchise so far this year or this season or it, during his stint in the NFL. Um, we might see him get traded to the Colts or the Steelers and just absolutely mm-hmm. blossom into a top 10 quarterback in the league. And I think if you're Trevor Lawrence and you look at Sam Darnold, especially if that does happen, you'd be terrified to set yeah. that in the green. No, I mean, but I can... just look at Ryan Tannehill. He went from being a bad system to a good system, and now he's yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say best quarterbacks, but yeah, environment plays a huge role. Yeah. Absolutely, yep. yeah. And I, I would say if, if Adam Gase makes it to the end of this year or into the offseason – I'm not to get a declare, to be honest. I don't. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I guess I can see that. Like, fit definitely does matter. But I mean, like Kyler Murray, right? He goes into Cardinals. Apparently, they're they're this like disastrous franchise. They just drafted two quarterbacks in a row, and he rises above it. Joe Burrow goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, who are terrible. He rises above it. All better. He's not characters. winning games, but he rises above it. You know, if you're, if he's good enough, he'll rise above it, no matter what. You know what I mean? Philip or not Philip Rivers, sure. Andrew Luck to the, the Colts. Car- the Cardinals and the Bengals are it. both better organizations and have better coaches than the Jets so yeah. far. I, I mean, Adam Gase won't be there though. I mean, I, honestly, I was going to say Gase around to drive the 0 16 home. The, yeah, that's why. That's that's there. very possible. Yeah. Also, yeah. in some ways, I feel like hear me out. This is kind of a good sign in that, like, think about how long they've stuck with Sam Darnold. If you're Trevor Lawrence, it's like I I have like. When I get there, I'll have a long leash. They'll give yeah. me. They'll give you time to develop. I think I that's kind be, of a good thing. I just see that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Say again. Trevor Lawrence has dog in him. He would never think that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would just. I would love to see a fire sale before the trade deadline to kind of drive home that 0 and 16. But we'll see. Yeah. 
One of our favorite debates uh, amongst the five of us is whether the college football playoffs should stay at four teams or perhaps should expand. Uh, I know Jared and Lucas especially feel very strongly about this, so let me start off with you, Jared. What do you think? Is four teams plenty, or would maybe eight make sense? Four teams is plenty for the current college football playoff format. This is, as Bart alluded to, this is probably the sports debate that I like am the most passionate and like entrenched about I, I don't think there's there's anything else that i'm more like angry about in terms of major sports debates okay so this is this is the reason why this is why the regular season matters so much in college football and why you need to be undefeated or one loss because so people point to the nfl look they expanded playoffs in the nfl like their their system is great but the gap between the best team in the nfl and the worst team in the nfl is way smaller than the gap between the best team in like the sec and the worst team in the sec Therefore, in college football, good teams are consistently playing teams that are way below their below their level, and a lot of times way below their level. You have three tough games a year, maybe, and you need to win those to prove you're one of the best of the team. You're one of the best teams in the nation. So that's why it works in the NFL because they're they're playing good teams more consistently. You can cut them some slack. But in college football, if you, all you do is take care of your business against lowly teams and then lose to the good teams you face, you had your opportunity to play into the playoff and you didn't get it. This is, this is something that Colin Coward says all the time. There's always two to three teams that are miles ahead of everyone. There's never been a year where I thought the number eight team in the nation can beat Bama or Clemson. There's never been a year where I thought that. Stop telling me teams don't get an opportunity to play for a championship. You get your audition 12 games a year, 13 if you make it to the conference championship. If you lose to the good teams you play, you're out. Another thing, semifinal, semifinal games are rarely close. Of the 12 semifinal games that we've played, only two have been within one possession which was the 2018 Rose Bowl where Oklahoma lost to Georgia in overtime and the 2020 Fiesta Bowl where Clemson beat Ohio State. Even the championship game has only been within one possession half the time, three out of the six times. I'm not even convinced we need four people. I'm, I'm 100% serious about that. I really like four, but I'm not even convinced we need four. I have a lot more, but I don't want to keep rambling on. But my whole thing is stop trying to put additional hurdles in front of teams that have already proven they're great. Go ahead, Lucas. <laughs> I mean, there are a few things. One, I don't think that you just get sufficient opportunity to know who's great because you only allow in four teams. First, have, it box it, it only boxes it always boxes out group of five teams. There's you you talk about teams having to take care of business. Do not raise your hand. It is not. Your I, I know. I'm, I just, I'm, I'm making a note. I'm not raising my hand. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about how teams need to take care of their business. But when UCF takes care of their business, they don't get into the college football playoff. If Cincinnati takes care of their business this year, they won't get into the college football playoff. It's all based on a subjective understanding of who's good and who's not. Cincinnati can't help who they play in the given year. UCF can't help who they play in the given year to their conference, especially this year. Especially this year. They could maybe transfer conferences down the line. But in this year, you talked about how teams need to take care of their business. Well, UCF takes care of their business every so often, and they never get a shot. <laughs> every so often, they did it once. They did it once, okay. But no, every year there's at least one group of five team that runs the table, but they never get a shot because of the subjective understanding of like who's good or not. It's impossibly subjective, and allowing you to uh, like take away some of that subjectivity by expanding it to eight helps those teams have a shot. You say there's no year in which the eight could ever be the one, but you don't know that. Like the number eight. Yes, we do. We know that. No, you don't. No, you don't. When the number eight team beats the number one team in the nation all the time, the number twenty-five team beats the number one team in the nation sometimes. Like you don't. Know but that's that. not it's, that's not crowning the best team in the nation. That's crowning the winner of a tournament. I don't want that. But that's not good for college football. I eight teams. You talk about the NFL or NBA or things like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, they have thirty or thirty-two yeah. teams. College football is 130 teams. How is it fair to have that small of a window based purely on subjectivity if there are 130 teams? It's not based purely on subjectivity. There's teams that finish undefeated. There are conferences that are objectively better, which we find out. I, I will you give don't you in know COVID that. Years. Hold on. I will give you in a COVID year. We don't know because conferences aren't playing each other. But we know that not all conferences are created equal. For the but group like, of what, five counter argument. They, can, they need to schedule a real Power 5 team. UCF knows darn well that when they schedule Georgia Tech, they're not going to be a good team. If you yeah, think you're good enough to be in the playoffs, if you think you're good enough in the playoffs, then schedule Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State. Because that's what you're supposed to do. If you, think you, if you think you literally are national champion levels, you should be able to beat those teams. 
Jared, you I don't know, have sympathy schedule, for that. I'm sorry. They schedule out of conference games seven to eight years out. How are you supposed to know who's going to be good? They're group. Uh, then Georgia what is Tech could have been Clemson. Doing? They're not competing seven, for a championship then. Seven or eight years ago, Clemson and Georgia Tech were in the same place. They could have had the same no, they, outcome. Oh my goodness, that's not true. You don't. You don't. They were both like eight and five teams seven years ago. That is you don't not know true. that. That is true. Yes, yes it true. is. Look up their records. Look up. They were not on Clemson. the same trajectory. They were not. Dabu's on the same trajectory. Let's go. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. In Dabu Sweeney's like first whatever years. The Obama administration was a different time, Jared. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Lucas, they were not on the here, – here are number eight teams that would have gotten in, by the way. Last year, a three-loss Wisconsin team that lost to Ohio State twice already during the season. That's ridiculous. UCF, last year, UCF, when they actually faced a power a ranked Power 5 team, lost in the Fiesta Bowl. Two-loss Michigan State, who lost to three ranked teams last year. It's, it's just so ridiculous. Part of the fun of college football playoff, by the way, is debating who should get in. The debate that is not fun change. about the number eight team. No, it's not. Yes, it does. The number eight team does not have a shot. I'm telling you, they are not. Why? They are not one of the best teams in the nation. If you lose, if you lose, to, to if you lose two games to good teams, you're not one of the best teams in the nation. I'm sorry. Okay, what about, what about team happen. five or six? No, yeah. I don't. I usually don't think they should get a shot either. The se- as I said, the semifinal game, semifinal games are not even close. Num- the two best teams have definitely easily separate themselves from everybody else. And don't tell me like, like it's ma- don't tell me it's matchups and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, this is literally exactly like, I, I said yeah. of the 12 semifinal games, only two have been within one possession. Do you want to eliminate the NBA playoffs cuz the Warriors like won four yeah. straight against the Cavs and won 4-1 against the Cavs and then won 4-2 like the NBA finals were not close for a series of years. Should we elu- like we have such a small yeah. I'm not talking about the playoff anyway. What are you talking about? No, like cutting down. Like your argument is that because it's not competitive, you shouldn't. Ex- there shouldn't be more teams in it. The NBA yeah, finals or NBA playoffs aren't always. Do you watch the first round of the NBA playoffs? Yeah. No, you don't. Come on. Yes, I do. Know. People that watch the first round. I watched the first round of the oh NBA playoffs. <laughs> Especially Jared, when the Sixers yeah. are in it. Oh, sorry. Jared, what's your what's your beef with a sixteen playoff where the first two teams get a bye? Because that rewards those two elite teams. Like, do you do you have a beef with that still or no? Mm. You know, it does kind of neutralize some of – I just don't like putting – especially with that number one mm. and two seed, I don't like putting additional hurdles in front of them when they've already proven through 13 games that they're they're clearly ahead of everybody. I really don't like that. I like that it's hard to get into the playoffs and that it's not like the NFL light. You know, I, I like that it's hard to get in. And I, I just don't think the fifth and sixth teams each year, like, are even in the same league as number one and two or but three and four. That's your opinion. We wouldn't know unless they played each other. Yeah, but it's it's there's there's uh every team already has their opportunities to play in. I think, and I don't want I don't want every team to get UCF in. Like the NCAA, doesn't. the NCAA, like they have their March Madness, the basketball, they have their March Madness tournament, and that's fun. But it's the winner of a tournament. It's not the best team in the ba- in basketball. The best team throughout the entire league can lose in the first week. You know, and I, I don't. Were they think, really the best? Were they really the yes, best? Yes, they team, were. They... Yes, they were. If if you can't just say, oh, one game, they lost one game to a sixteen yeah. team, they weren't the best team in the league. Do you think that sixteen team, sixteen seed team is better than them? No. Do you consider the Patriots in whatever year the greatest football team of all time because they went sixteen and zero in the regular season, but then lost in the Super Bowl? But I'm because saying that, you, that's what I'm saying. No, but according NFL to you, the regular season, that's all. What the NFL is different because the regular season doesn't matter in college football. It does. That's yeah, why, that's, but... that's my whole thing. That's what. That's stupid. How that happens in the NFL is what I'm saying. So you want the number I, one I ranked team to always win. Say again. Yeah. You want the number one ranked team to always win. No, I want teams that have consistently <clears throat> proven that they're great throughout the regular season to win. I don't want a team. But, I don't want a team that had lost three times to good teams they played to have a shot. What if they, they eliminated the playoffs all, all the way through, Jared? What if they eliminated the playoffs? What if they eliminated the playoffs all the way through and the number one ranked team got a trophy at the end of the year? They didn't do any playoffs. That would really make the regular season matter. I, would that, would not, that be better for you? Say, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any <laughs> playoff. I'm just saying there shouldn't be eight. It's too much. But can't you picture a year, Jared, where there would be five or six deserving teams who had all proven, like, say, say the conference championship in several of the leagues had uh, been the team that won the regular <laughs> season that matchup, won in the conference champ, uh, lost in the conference championship. So you had splits like that. So you didn't know really going in. I feel like we've kind of been swayed because the last couple of years or for the life of the college football playoff, we've had Bama and Clemson who have mm-hmm. been pretty much absurdly dominant. And I don't think college football has always been like that. 
I think it, it. I think it pretty much always is. Personally, like every year, it's like USC, Texas, then it's Florida State for like twenty years, going to winning the ACC like sixteen out of the twenty years. There's usually teams that go on runs. I I think. I I think that there might be teams that technically have like the records to and like the conference champions, but like you can you can see that there there are teams that are there are two teams usually that have have been separated from the pack, and then there's like the, the other teams are kind of fighting for three and four. You know what I mean? Like, no, like I love Notre Dame, but Notre Dame in that third year, like it was just clearly events in the game. We weren't even close to Clemson in 2018, right? It's just, uh, I just don't. The one thing, okay, this is this is the one thing I would give up ground on is if you played, if you played the playoffs after the bowl games and like you still did all the conferences with the Rose Bowl, because then UCF would get their shot against like an SEC team or whatever, and like they could get their shot to prove themselves. But the only thing I don't like about that is then it just makes Alabama, who's already with 13-0, like, play one more tough game and just, like, trying like to look that. for things. Huh? I've never thought about that. Like, I know. I heard that, it... and I was like, I kind of like that. But, again, it, it, it's just putting more hurdles in front of teams that have already proven they're great. It does solve the UCF problem. but So, Lucas, I, I like, kind of hear you on the UCF thing, but I don't think expansion is the answer. Yeah, well, and I think – for me, in the, given the current system, like the only way to get teams like that involved is expansion. But if you did something like you, you everybody played their bowl game, so like that UCF would have their shot mm-hmm. to prove that they're good, and then you had the playoffs. I think that would like remedy that problem. So long as like the committee is like, oh, like UCF beat Penn State in the Rose Bowl, like they should probably be. Yeah. In the. Yeah, I like that solution. Yeah. I mean, like, say what you want about the play, the selection committee. Like, they definitely make questionable calls, but I think. Mm-hmm. Every year they've gotten it right, in my opinion. That they've that the best team in football has won, in my opinion. Even when Ohio State was the four seed and won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they beat Bama in who they beat in the, in Oregon. So I mean, I think they got it right. Like, because the thing with the, I know people would be like, oh, the four the number four ranked team has won twice or something like that. But that's like that's more of a problem with like criteria and stuff like that. Like Alabama wasn't able to compete for a conference championship. That's part of the criteria. So they squeak in at number four, but they like dominate. They dominate that year in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So that's where I stand. Anybody else have other things I need to consider that Lucas needs to consider? No, I just this is completely opinion based. I completely understand. I, I agree actually with what with most of what you're saying, Jared. But for me, like the the fun of sports in a lot of ways is the surprises of upsets. And so I don't see if there was another round in the playoff, I don't see it as an extra hurdle. I just see it as another opportunity for like an exciting playoff to happen. I wouldn't mind like if one out of however many rare times the top team lost. I don't mind that. I think that's actually better. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, like I Jared, your okay. um, your argument with like F one is always like like sports are made to be entertaining for the fans, not necessarily like with with yeah. reverse grid qualifying that doesn't like necessarily. Uh, necessarily reward like the best teams but it makes it more exciting for fans to watch expanding the playoffs to eight teams is the same argument like it'd be more exciting to watch if you had an eight team playoff even though I don't know it wouldn't always reward the best team yeah it is the same argument but I would counter argue and say we already get the opportunities for upsets in the regular season we get like 12 opportunities for it you know yeah and I I just don't want to punish teams that have have proven it 13 games like 13 and 0 and like you're gonna make them play one more game against a team that they're, that they're better, who is better than them, or that they are better than. Sorry, I, I just I don't, don't know, like it. My biggest problem is with it is that I just feel like eight team or four teams is insufficient. Like especially when you have like a power five of the conferences plus like a bunch of teams that will like no matter how no matter what they do will never get in. Like I just feel like, and if there are 130 teams in your league, like four is insufficient to judge who is the best. Yeah. I know it sounds and, like yeah. that, but like when you just watch the years, you know, like two teams are just clearly there's usually two teams that are clearly better and, and I, as I said, our only two have been within one possession uh, in the semifinal games. It's just like we're I, I feel like it's just putting more yeah, again, it's just putting more hurdles in front of teams that have already proven they're great. And I don't want just cuz they have a bad day, you know, on their 14th game of the season, I don't want them to get punished for that, you know. No bad days. Okay. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Yeah, we're just that's that the question will never <laughs> be settled between me and Lucas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, that was really fun. I really appreciate that. Um, 
Let's move on to the NFL. Another segment that could potentially get me pretty heated. We'll see what Wyatt says. Uh, Mike <laughs> McCarthy, Wyatt, has been criticized by anonymous Cowboys players saying the coach is totally unprepared and they don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. Another player said that the couch coaches just aren't good at their jobs. Obviously, since we've also had Mike McCarthy call out his players for not getting in a fight with the guy that knocked out Andy Dalton. Uh, Wyatt, was McCarthy the wrong choice for the boys? And can he turn the season around and regain control over the locker room? Yeah, Mike McCarthy can win a Super Bowl. <laughs> what are you talking about? He was about? a good pick. No, absolutely not. Of course, Mike McCarthy was always the wrong choice for the Cowboys. They haven't done anything right so far in the offseason, including hiring Mike McCarthy <laughs> since they fired Jason Garrett. <laughs> Which was, I do think, was the right move. But I think replacing him with McCarthy was not a great move. Let's not forget that Mike McCarthy was stormed out of Green Bay after his laughable <laughs> management in rule of the Packers. He had reportedly, reportedly fallen asleep several times during meetings, and Aaron Rodgers was known to undermine his authority in play calling. So awesome. his 127 and 79 <laughs> record in Green Bay are more off the backs of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and should be more of a slight towards him that he only won one Super Bowl with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. His entire coaching staff is atrocious. Mike Nolan should never have been hired uh, as the defensive coordinator. He, should, he shouldn't have made it past the first week of practice, and it amazes me that he still has a job with the worst defense in football right now. I mean, the staff was not good enough to elevate mediocre play from the Cowboys from last year. They weren't good enough to win multiple championships in Green Bay. They have gone completely in the wrong direction in Dallas, in Jerry's world. It's easy to say in hindsight McCarthy was the wrong choice, but nobody, Aiden brought this up, nobody was saying McCarthy was the wrong choice when they hired him. Everybody was like, oh yeah, the Cowboys will easily win the division, they'll probably go 10 and 6. You know, Nobody was saying that McCarthy was the wrong choice. I will say in hindsight it looks like he is. Um, he's not going to turn the season around, I don't think. I, he's completely lost their locker room. Because they won't be winning football games anytime soon. Professionals want to win, and you don't regain the locker room if you're not winning. So, yeah, I definitely don't see him turning this around. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Everybody agrees, it sounds like? Yeah, no. It's been a pretty, like, you know, unequivocal nightmare so far. Like, the only thing you might cut him some slack on is, like, all the injuries at quarterback, like, now that they have Ben DiNucci at quarterback. But, like, <laughs> even – like, they were somewhat close in some of those early games, like with the Rams, but mm-hmm. – Well, just injuries it, overall, it, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the Eagles had it worse, though. 49ers arguably have it worse. It's just, like, everybody's dealing with injuries. Oh, yeah. No, I still think it's been, like, an unequivocal failure. But there, I think there are a few things you can cut him some slack on, but, like – Well, he's going to yeah. get – cut some slack because he, they lost their starting quarterback and because yeah. of all these other factors, it's a pandemic year. They probably listen to the podcast. They know it's a pandemic year. Um, it's going to be tough. They're not going to move on. Jerry Jones is pretty patient with head coaches, which I think is the wrong move. I mean, he's <laughs> like, he's not getting any younger. This team isn't getting any better. They're going to have to make <laughs> a lot of major moves. I mean, like does Jerry Jones really believe that they're going to win? a Super Bowl in the next two or three years with Mike McCarthy. Like, it took him... Well, he wants to give him the season to figure that out, though. Yeah, but... You don't want... you Like, can you imagine firing your coach six games into the season? That, no, he'll probably of. make it all the way through, but, I mean, they don't even look remotely competitive right now in the worst division of football. <clears throat> they only beat the Giants, who are still rebuilding after several years by three points. They're probably going to get smacked by the Eagles. Not smacked, but they're going to lose to the Eagles... Lost to Washington. They did get smacked by Washington, who yeah. are also rebuilding. So the two teams in that in the entire conference who are poised to win championships both stink. And the Cowboys should be, yeah. I, I feel like, miles ahead of where the Eagles are. And they don't even look remotely competitive on any team in the league other than that first week against the Rams. Yeah. Um, by the way, this is this is something – this is the, the biggest non-story that was just driving me crazy. Proves Inception is a thing, by the way. McCarthy called out his players for not confronting the player that knocked out Dalton. And they're like, and everybody's like, the Cowboys are such a loser franchise for not going and knocking out that linebacker. I really don't agree with that at all. I feel, they're like, the Dallas players don't care. They clearly knew Dalton was hurt right away, and they all went after him. They All, all the off- offensive linemen went and, and huddled around Andy Dalton. Just because they didn't get sure, they didn't get in a fight, but that doesn't mean they were brushing off Dalton's injury like it was nothing. And like, But everybody just like, this story just picked up like a freaking, like a virus. 
that there's like this leadership problem. Because all you have to do is ask the question, man. Everybody starts just digging into it. And now, but I, I will say though that now that players can spin this story as like, well, the coaches were feeling the heat. So Mike McCarthy saw an opportunity to put the blame on the leadership of our players. So McCarthy called us out. The, the rift is just getting so big. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like the, what, yeah, it's, it's like very indicting to, yeah. to have heard what the, what the players were saying about McCarthy, which is why I agree it'd be ridiculous to fire him after six games into his tenure. Mm-hmm. But to fire him after one season, I would not be surprised at all, even I, though there have been all these injuries and it's been so just weird overall. Yeah. There are plenty of high-end assistant um, coaches in the NFL right now that they could go get Robert Sala from the 49ers. They could get Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs. They can get one of the either the offensive or defensive coordinator in Baltimore right now. I mean, there are plenty of other coaches that they could hire other than Mike Nolan, who's pretty much just a big name to fulfill Jerry's brand and a coach who's weak enough to not push back on, on uh, Jerry Jones. <laughs> I hate that narrative first off. It, I, but I no, it's true. It. It's it's absolutely true. This is the reason oh there's the type God. he fired his like first move when he became the owner is he fired a, a legendary coach. And then eventually as time <laughs> goes on, he brings in Jason Garrett. He's like, Oh, he's like a son to me. So he basically, he sunned him. He basically was like, you can't push back on me. You're my, you're my boy. Like, we don't know, they, like, people, in the hiring process, though, if Lincoln Riley even wanted the job. Like, all the big names. Lincoln Riley didn't want stuff. the job. But, I mean, like, any other, any of the other high-end assistants would have taken the job in Dallas. But it had to be Mike McCarthy, who, again, was booed and chased out of Pitts, or, uh, Wisconsin by, with pitchforks. So, I mean, it's not. <laughs> I just not think it's easy good. to say that with hindsight. Um, Follow-up question for you, Wyatt. Does no. the performance of the Cowboys in the fa- past few weeks show Dak's importance to the team? No, because he only won one game. <laughs> oh he my didn't, gosh! He, didn't, he, he did not – I'm not giving him the win for the game that he didn't finish because I know he got hurt, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything about him being weak by not finishing, but I'm not going to give him the win for that because they only won, they only won by three points. They were still on a losing record, and they don't ever perform against top teams. I – I think that Dak, I'll give you this. Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Andy Dalton. Oh my so you can take that home with you. <laughs> Whoa. But yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but am I going to still anoint Dak as one of the top-end quarterbacks in the league? I don't think that anything that so far this season has proved to me that. Come on. You are being completely irrational if you don't think this proves Dak's worth. They were averaging 33 points a game with Dak and led the NFL in yards per game. They've scored one touchdown in two full games without him. They they do they literally have fallen apart without him. I know you bean counters and sabermetricians don't think teammate chemistry matters, but it clearly matters that the locker room has fallen apart without Dak as well. You just see it like that's on the field true. and off the field. You see all of that. That's probably uh, and that's probably true that he's that he was a big part that's of the why locker room. That's why Dak's still on my fantasy leader. team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you need that. Group. I think you're I think you're a terrible yeah. fantasy manager. I think that's we gotta talk. I about I just that. beat you this week, by the way. Wyatt. <laughs> I need to point that out. Anyway. Anyway. Whatever, but um, but I, I do have to say like you just you just can't discount how much Dak means to that team in terms of their offensive production. I'm, it's it's ridiculous. Not you, Wyatt, you can. It's it's well, you can't. He, is he important well, to the locker room? Yes. Is he better than Andy Dalton? Oh. Yes. Is he a top oh end gosh. quarterback in the league? Yes. Is he the best quarterback in in the Dallas locker room? Yes. Can Wyatt, I do you it use this argument. You use the argument of QB wins and losses all the time until it doesn't work for you. Like Matthew Stafford, you never get on him about his QB win loss record. Bad Deshaun coach. Watson, your dark horse MVP pick, is one in six right now. You don't bad care coach. about that. You never use it. Well, bad coach. You think Dak has a bad coach? How are you using it against him? Aiden, <laughs> do you think that this this bad performance will help Dak in contract negotiations? Um, maybe, but I still don't trust Jerry to not be shady about it. And, you know, obviously the Cowboys need a lot of help at this point. Um, so I think he's probably going to try and save some money based on the injury. Like Dak's still going to get a payday. Um, hope he gets a payday. Um, if he doesn't get a payday, I'm I'm waiting for Jared's like, like, that's my quarterback, like tearful (laughs) rant. Um, but, um, but I, I do think he's, it's still gonna be a discounted payday despite, I, I, and I agree with you, Jared. I think it has 100% been clear how important Dak is to this team, a team that's not that good with Dak, but yeah. it's clear how important he is from the past couple of weeks. Um, 
but he's not going to get the payday he totally deserved or would get if he was healthy. Yeah. It might be better for the Cowboys in the yeah. long run because yeah. quarterback deals. No, I just mean yeah. if they Suspended, can save money yeah. on him yeah. because of this yeah. injury, yeah. that's a plus. You know what? Hot quarterback take. contracts are so much. Yeah. Ready? They are expensive. Hot take. Oh, oh here it comes. Yeah. Either A, <laughs> trade for Matthew Stafford, and <laughs> Aaron, Stafford. A, trade for Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I don't know if, if you guys have heard me say this, but he's a top 10 army talent in the league. Uh, you trade for Matthew Stafford. You don't re-sign Dak. little cutthroat business. You take one of your projected top three overall pick. You take a quarterback. Maybe maybe you grab Trey Lance or something like that. Or if they're bad enough to fall number one. And, you know, you know who knows what's going to happen at this point. But there might, might be some cutthroat business in Jerry's world. Uh, coming up here in the next Jeez, couple bro. of that of strategy months. makes no mm-hmm. sense, Wyatt. No, Once you know that you have your quarterback, you just keep him. You don't, don't freaking take these lottery picks if, on all. I these mean, people. if they if Come they on. knew, they would have paid him. They wouldn't have franchise tagged him. Come on, they would have gave him um, whatever he wanted. Why? I need to, I need to go to you on this one too. More Cowboys talk. C.D. Lamb is looking really good, making a strong case for offensive rookie of the year. Wyatt, the Cowboys are two and four though. Was the pick a mistake? And should the Cowboys have filled a more serious need with their first round pick? Yeah, it was a mistake. I mean, I don't think offense was ever the problem for the Cowboys. They put up a bunch of lar- yards last year. Um, they were always going to find a way to score in the end zone with either Amari Cooper or Zeke or something like that. Um, even with even with Dak, wow. Yeah, I mean, Ezekiel <laughs> is pretty good, but I mean, like, oh CD CD is a really good talent. He's a great wide receiver. He'll be a great wide receiver. I don't think they needed to add a third wide receiver because they also had Michael Gallup and they also had Randall Cobb. Like, they didn't need to just start to fill this offense with more pieces. They probably will need to get an offensive lineman um, after a bunch of – I mean, I know they got a lot of injuries on the offensive line, but they'll probably still need to add more depth on the offensive line. And it's obvious that the defensive side of the ball needs a lot of work. They probably should have got a high-end safety, which they could have got for that pick or traded back or something like that. The only way that they can redeem it for me is if they find a way to move off of Amari Cooper's – hundred million dollar contract and make C D Lamb their wide receiver one and get some pieces or trade or um draft capital from Amari. Why what happened to Mr. Adding talent is never confusing. Yeah, I mean you didn't you didn't hold the standard when the Chiefs signed Levy on Bell. Anyway uh, there was no teams. there was no immediately evident game changing player that we can point to that will make me say that C D Lamb pick was a mistake. Well the two you can top say, and... you can say Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah, but I mean he's been good. But I mean Xavier, you might say Xavier McKinney. He hasn't even seen the field. Damon Arnett, cornerback from Ohio I know State. Xavier I, McKinney I and Grant Delpit have. I was not going to pick Arnett. I, I feel like that was a <laughs> weird pick by the Raiders. But I think that uh, Xavier McKinney and Grant Delpit haven't played this year due to injury. But we don't know how good they could have been for the secondary. And I think that. But we know how good CD is. Right. right, but there's obviously there's not helping them win games. They have the worst defense, and we knew that they had a terrible defense. Um, going into this year, and they needed help in the secondary. Uh, if they weren't going to get Earl Thomas or be serious about getting Earl Thomas or trading for Jamal Adams, uh, which it doesn't even seem like they tried, they there's no way they should have just added another wide receiver because if they really believed that they were the Chiefs and they were just going to outscore teams, they were sorely mistaken. <laughs> Oof. But let's keep talking about the worst team in the division. Uh, the Eagles right now, the lowly Eagles, have made a comeback victory over the New York Giants, and they gave them sole control over the NFC East, a 2-4-1, which isn't really sole control anymore because the uh, Washington football team won. But Lucas, does the comeback victory reinstall faith in Carson Wentz? No. <laughs> Especially because, like, it feels like he often, like, he has these like great like moments because he's played so poorly for the other like forty five to fifty minutes of the game that he has to, like stage these like dramatic yeah. comebacks at the end and it looks <laughs> impressive. Like he only looks so impressive because he's played so poorly and then like it just appears to be impressive, I feel like. I mean I feel like, you know, that throw to Boston Scott at the end was great and reading the space, throwing into it. But he just makes mistakes that you shouldn't make in your fifth year at this point. Like, his inability to just throw the ball away when he's scrambling <laughs> is, like, middle school level. Like, he just doesn't understand. Oh Sometimes you have, No, you have to just, like, give up on a play. Like, it was shown in the, the pick that he threw on Thursday night. Like, he'll just, like, scramble around in the pocket for a while, see, like, there's no one open. But he'll just, like, try and... He'll chuck it into, like, triple coverage instead of just throwing the ball away out of bounds. Like, he does it all the time. He has the most picks in the league this year, tied with Kirk Cousins at 10. Oh, like they, 
<laughs> yeah, I had to throw Kirk in there. Yeah, like, I he played <laughs> all right. He played better than he has at other points in the year, but he still didn't play well. Like, I, I'm not convinced that he's a great quarterback, especially when he like struggled to beat the New York Giants. Like, no offense, Wyatt, but they're not great. Like, I, I I'm not convinced. I have like a ton of faith uh, yeah. in Carson Wentz after this. Lucas. I'm not, I'm not gonna fight. Yeah. Yeah, Lucas, I, I definitely hear you on, like, he makes some super bonehead decisions sometimes with the ball. But I don't, I'm not going to hold him barely beating the Giants against, against him. I know I know you bean counters and sabermetricians don't think that chemistry matters. But chemistry <laughs> matters. At, like, at the end of the game against the Ravens two games ago, Carson Wentz in the center with the only preseason starter still playing by the end of the game. I mean, he's thrown to people that were cut by, like, the Lions. Like, he's thrown to, he's thrown to really bad people. And not being able to work as a unit is, like, really a huge disadvantage. You need timing. You need reps with your receivers and all that. And, I I mean, Carson can't play defense, all that stuff. You know, I, I just I know everybody will say, oh, he only wins when he has weapons. But so does literally every other quarterback. They either have a strong defense or they have a bunch of offensive weapons. Like, I, so I, I this does, for me, it does reinstill my faith in wins. Yeah. Why specifically this game, though? Well, I mean, I never was like, surface. I never was off his bandwagon personally. I've, I've, I've like always kind of been on his, not as high as like you know Dak and all that, but I, I've been like, he's a solid player, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I just yeah, don't think yeah. like who can you replace him with? There's no, there's not really that many people better than him. I don't know. I feel like I'd take a flyer on like some guy in the draft, Nick Foles, as opposed to like, Jalen Hurts is right there. Jalen Hurts, yeah. yeah, yeah I do want to see, I do want to <laughs> see a full drive from Jalen Hurts though. I, I think that you won't. I know I Carson won't, gets hurt, but I'd love to see one. I, I think I want to see. They obviously see him every day in practice, but I, I want to see what Hurts can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I already like the way that they use him, though. They just use him when they need to like re-energize the offense a little bit. I I already like that, and yeah. So I I don't think, and I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan too. But yeah. Yeah, well, Wentz has proven that he's kind of made of glass in the past. So. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Hurts comes in by necessity at some point this year. Well, we say he's made of glass, but he also gets hit all the time. So yeah. it, he's like he's also tough as nails at the same time. It's kind of crazy. He's an interesting case study. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Whatever. So, Jared, do you think even with the high play of Carson Wentz, the lack of success from the Eagles <laughs> falls on the shoulders of the head coach? And should no. the Eagles maybe possibly move on from Doug Peterson? I definitely don't think so. Any coach would be struggling with their amount of injuries, and they're they're not getting blown out by the way in games. They're they've been in they've been like despite Carson Wentz's best best intentions in other games, <laughs> throwing picks. They they they're not getting blown out. So I think I think he's doing basically he's just doing the best he can with what he with what he's got. Like they don't look as bad as the Cowboys, you know. Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Jared. Also, apologies for our listeners for whomever's vacuuming above me right now. <laughs> um, but they, um, I think, too, like, it, it feels weird, too, to fire a coach who won the Super Bowl three years ago and has made the playoffs in every year since. Yeah. Like, even in the last couple of years where they've been, like, ravaged by injuries. Like, he's, like, they haven't been great teams, but he's done what he's needed to do to get into the playoffs. And, like, two years ago... You know, was within a possession of the Saints and making the NFC Championship again. And then last year, like, Wentz went down again at, at, along with at literally every other player, and they almost beat the Seahawks. So, like, I think he's getting the best out of this team. Like, does he make some dumb decisions sometimes, like, going for two way too frequently? Yeah, but, <laughs> like, I think he's, like, I don't think you move on from him at this point. Like, there hasn't been that dramatic a drop-off that would necessitate yeah. it. Yeah. Um... I think maybe his magic might be a little over and that Super Bowl run might be good. And you pat him on the back and you give him a good uh, severance package and you let him go. But (laughs) (laughs) I I think there is, there is, I I do feel like that he will still be a good coach, but I think that there's a level where they don't exactly play to their strengths. Even if they're ravaged by injuries, they're still trying to do a lot of the same things as if they had the same talent and it's known that Carson Wentz is looking for the big play, and he wants to throw the deep ball and all the other stuff. So maybe you just got to take it away, and you got to you got to dink and dunk a little bit. I, I don't know if the Eagles exactly always put themselves in a best position, which is the reason why they were so close, despite their defense, so close to um, losing to the Giants. So who knows? Yeah. Anyway, moving on from there, we're gonna go down south to the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick is apparently, quote, heartbroken after being benched. 
Fitz says, quote, I was shocked by it. It definitely caught me off guard. It was a hard thing for me to hear yesterday. Just disgusting news, he added. It felt like it was my team. Bart, did the Dolphins make the wrong decision here by starting Tua over Fitz going forward? Absolutely. Yes. I was, uh, I was like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was pretty shocked by it. Um, let, me, let me explain. So Fitzpatrick, first of all, I know his numbers weren't eye-popping this year, but like the Dolphins were 3-1 and one in their past four games. They were heating up. He's got them. He's got them right on the cusp of a playoff spot. I mean, it's not like they've been awful. Like he's been, he's been totally serviceable. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, moreover, I just feel like it's it's not really fair to Tua and almost just illogical to rush him like this. Mm-hmm. Who are they playing in his first game? None other than the Rams, who have arguably the best pass defense in the league. They're going to just destroy him. It's not. A, it's not like a good way to start off a quarterback. I feel like if you want his confidence to be up. It's just like I've read that the that the Dolphins maybe want some more time to evaluate him, or that you know getting him in now, it just gives you more time to get more information. But like he was the fifth overall pick, they're not going anywhere with him. He's not going anywhere. They could have just waited. Mahomes didn't even start until the last game of his rookie season. Why does Tua need to start right now? I feel like you you let him sit behind a proven veteran in, in Ryan Fitzpatrick. You let him get some more reps in practice and get just like more NFL backup experience and then you move him in slowly like maybe even next season i don't think there's any reason to rush it yeah i don't get it either it's just like they're one game out of first place in the afc east right now like the afc east is not like what it used to be like without tom brady and the patriots like it's a fairly open division the bills started hot but have kind of fallen off and they're like right in the thick of things and like fitzpatrick like you said bart like not eye-popping numbers but like efficient and good and it just feels like a weird mid-season move to like throw out what was like almost had you in the playoffs at this point just for like the flash and the allure of the future but so they they it, predetermined they were going to start him after the bye week and then oh now they're just yeah. doing it regardless yeah yeah, yeah. i no. disagree yeah no, i disagree I, yeah, with both agree, of you guys yeah. the dolphin the dolphins I, they're not going to be a playoff team the, the teams they beat were the jaguars the new york jets and the 40 and a depleted 49ers team they're bottom 10 in yards per game bottom half the league in passing yards like you talk about Fitzpatrick numbers not being eye popping, they're bad. Their ten, ten and seven touchdown interception ratio is not good. I know you can use that's, that's completion bad. percentage and keep, yes, it is. That's not no, good. No, that's that's like pre, that's on. pretty average. It's okay, not eye popping. That's, right, that's it's exactly average. what I said. It's average. All right, whatever. <laughs> but how do we know that the Dolphins are better than better with Tua? And also, by the way, in terms of starting him against the Rams, he's got a bye week. Justin Herbert started against the Chiefs, and look at how look at how well he's doing now. Yeah, you, you, just see how, you just see how well. Uh, go ahead. He, he would have had the bye week plus however many more weeks you wanted to keep him out if he had just hadn't been starting. <laughs> the bye week isn't like a m- miraculous thing that just gives him the ability to be really good in his first game. Well, it does, it does when you're taking reps with the first team. You know, in a practice, I mean, you're they, not taking reps. If they, they the wanted him team. to take reps with the first team, they could have eased him in over a few. I mean, like they probably have been doing that, I guess. I hope for his sake they've been doing that, but still. <laughs> yeah. It, it could have it could have come later. I don't know. You say yourself we're just, not going to be a playoff team, so we why, just see, why put him in? We just yeah. see the success of Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert this year. Why can't like it's just why can't Tua also be at that level? And also, I mean, he has to be doing something right for them to want to put him in. So far, it might be surprising yeah. to us, but the Dolphins have watched him every single day this entire year. He has to be looking good. He has to be looking healthy. They have to have some sort of confidence that he's going to be able to go out there and win them football games, and. Although they're in the playoff race, and they, I'm sure they would love to make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, I think mm-hmm. actually making the playoffs does them no good because they're not a championship team this year, and that they might just want to build enough confidence. Uh, dang, we just missed out on the playoffs. Get your draft <laughs> picks, and then move on to the next next year. And your second and third year with Tua is a year where you start to believe that you can start winning things, um, seriously winning things. So I mean, he has to look good. He's gonna have to play against NFL teams at some point. This isn't Patrick Mahomes behind Alex Smith and still a really good team with Travis Kelsey and all that other stuff. I mean, this is a completely different roster in a completely different situation. Uh, I don't blame them for wanting to put their number five and really good quarterback into the game at some point. Yeah, Yeah. also... Yeah, Jared, I agree. Oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. I, I agree with you that I think... that I don't know what the Dolphins' plan was going into this season, mm-hmm. um, but... I think that seeing how good Justin Herbert has been and to a slightly lesser extent, Joe Burrow, but they've, they've both been effective seeing them like how good they've been has made the dolphins be like, mm, 
I feel like we should do this, mm-hmm. especially since the AFC East is open with the Bills kind of collapsing. Um, but I, I do think this puts the Dolphins in an awkward position if he doesn't initially succeed because it did kind of feel like Fitz's team. Mm-hmm. So that puts way too much pressure on Tua, yeah. I think, to like have to be good initially. It's not the usual, you know, top five pick who can just go in and be in low stakes. It feels like there are a bit of stakes here. So, yeah. That is true. There are different stakes than, than normal. Yeah. I will I will say too though on the Dolphins like front front office staff, it's I, I don't think it'd be like that big of a shock if like Tua struggles and they draft another quarterback next year. Like they did with Josh Rosen, you know, like you know just <laughs> Josh they just see they just see the fit doesn't work out. Not not the the Cardinals did it with Josh Rosen, I mean. But you know, you just see the fit doesn't work. Where we go you know, you know, we made a mistake on the draft pick and then you go with somebody else. Yeah. I, I think they want to see what they have. I know I know a lot of people say, think that. Josh Rosen was not the answer. He's come up several times before. Josh Rosen was never the expected answer for the Cardinals. He just kind of fell into their lap at like the 12th overall pick. They weren't like, oh, thank goodness we got Josh Rosen or traded up to get Josh Rosen. They just were like, I guess we should draft a quarterback. But it's not the same. And two is better. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, let's round out the episode with a discussion of uh, one more polarizing quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Um Jared, recently Baker Mayfield threw five touchdowns en route to a Browns victory over the Bengals. Yes, just the Bengals, but still. Jared, you tell me, did Baker finally silence his critics or no? Nothing other than a Super Bowl trophy will ever silence the Baker critics. The critics of Baker treat it like it's their day job to tear him down. It's so crazy. When he has a good game, he buys himself seven days. As soon as he has a bad game, they just demolish him, dude. No, it's seriously, they're, they're looking for any reason to write him off. It's crazy. And they're all saying, oh, I'm supposed to be impressed when he beats the Bengals by one score. He can't play defense. He, I mean, he had, what, 20-plus straight completions, five touchdowns. I don't care how close the game is. That's a great performance. So the short answer is no, he didn't silence any critics. And nothing will until the Browns like win a Super Bowl or something. So this February. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you actually consider the Browns a contender this year? I mean, like, no. A ser- serious question? They haven't beaten any good teams. Is the thing. They get, in fact, they get destroyed by good teams. So, I, I don't know. So no. I definitely don't think they're contenders. No. What do you think of the idea that losing OBJ actually helps him? I, I saw that online because it seems like uh, he might have an issue with like kind of trying to hone in on receivers a little bit too much, and you try to force feed people, and now yeah. he might see the field a little more clearly. I, I thought that was interesting. I will say I never thought that they were really trying to force feed uh, Odell, but I think that maybe not having the pressure of getting him a touch at some point will do the Browns, not only Baker Mayfield, but Kevin Stefanski uh, a little, some little good there. I think that Baker Mayfield will have the option to spread out the ball a little bit more, kind of get more people involved, Rashard Higgins or like one of their tight ends. Um, They're still going to get Kareem Hunt back or Nick Chubb back here in the next about two weeks or so. Um, so at some point they're going to still have a, I mean, they still have a really great roster and at some point they're going to get their star running back back. So their offense is not better without Odell, but maybe it's a lot easier to navigate when you don't have, or the pressure of getting into a premier wide receiver like that. I mean, at least it's at least going to get them through the rest of the regular season, but if they have to face against a team like, um, the Pittsburgh defense or the Baltimore defense or something like that somewhere in the playoffs, it would be really tough to see them win without a go-to guy like Odell. I mean, it just, it'll be a good development year, I think, for them. <laughs> I I don't buy the narrative, by the way, that like, oh, they needed to get Odell his touches or he's going to be angry. Like, nothing came from Odell or his camp that he was unhappy in I agree. People just like, I don't know... It's just it's just a thing that like follows Odell around, you know, that like, oh, he's a diva and like he doesn't get his touches, he's gonna be unhappy, and it's like it's I think it's completely fabricated in the in this case. I agree. So Okay, I I, I do wanna pose uh, an interesting question. Do you think OB, OD, OBJ's career has been wasted playing with subpar quarterbacks? <laughs> Yeah, and I think that at least until this year, it's been wasted by playing in bad offenses too. Like, they don't find like I like that they want Odell to run deep and they want to catch the ball. Just give him the ball on a slant and let him go. I think that maybe if he was in like a 49ers offense, that we would see 
him look like the second coming of Randy Moss or something like that. Like I think that he just doesn't play in offenses that are suited to complement him super well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean if you had yeah, if you had Shanahan or McVay scheming him up it'd be Right. But like it's weird yeah, because his rookie yeah. year he was like he was he had a comparable rookie season to Randy Moss. And then mm-hmm. instead of like building on this, that coaches yeah. have done the opposite. It's weird. Yeah. Bring it home, Lucas. Power through it. <laughs> All right. All 9%. Well, thank, thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe, and listen on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. We love your feedback. We love you. And thank you for tuning in. <laughs>